If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I would encourage you to open them to Luke's Gospel and chapter 4. If you haven't been with us, we've been uh, looking at uh, Jesus' words uh, that he gives in Nazareth. And we've been looking at the, the missiology that Jesus came to proclaim. And so we're going to read from Luke's Gospel in chapter 4, just to say we do have Bibles down at the back. If you need one, please do help yourself. But Luke chapter 4, we're going to be uh, beginning at verse 16. Uh, let's hear the word of God together, brothers and sisters. And he came to Nazareth, that being Jesus, where he had been brought up. And was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum do here in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is accepted or is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth I tell you that there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months, and the great famine came over all the land, and Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath, the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Nahum the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in all the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove um, him out of the town, and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. May Almighty God have his blessing to the reading of this, his holy and inspired word. Let's pray together. Father, we come this morning and our prayer is that we want to hear from you. 
Valerie, we, by the power of your spirit, pray that you would speak to each of our hearts and our minds. Father, would you take these words of Jesus and would you make them a reality for each one of us? Father, I pray that you would take me and hide me behind your cross, that I would become less and that you would become more. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We, this morning, continue our series entitled 2020 Vision, which centers on the, the ministry or the beginning of the ministry of Jesus Christ as commanded by Almighty God. And we've been going through this series at the outset of a new year to uh, focus on His mission so that we can see where He will guide us in our futures individually, but also corporately as a fellowship. And we've been unpacking verses 18 uh, and 19 uh, to, to really begin to see what Jesus came to do. To get back to the heart of the mission which Jesus calls his church to. And over the last number of weeks we've looked at what it means that the spirit of the Lord is upon us. We have looked at what it means to be anointed and set apart for God's work. Uh, we've looked at what it means to proclaim the good news to the poor. And last week we looked at what it meant to proclaim liberty to the captives. And this morning we come to the phrase, recovering of sight to the blind. And we, as we unpack this next statement within Jesus' declaration, it's important to point out from the offset, if you actually go back to Isaiah 61, where these words are taken out of, you won't find this phrase in the original. You won't find this phrase in the original in Isaiah chapter 61. So why has Jesus used these words in Luke's gospel and not totally quoted what was written in the prophecy of Isaiah? Well, it, it appears that Jesus has added these words and, and they're taken in, in context from Isaiah 42 and verse 7. On, it comes from the servant passage which speaks of being a light to the nation. And there are several instances that, that, that we see throughout Scripture, right, throughout the Gospels, of, of Jesus enabling blind people to see. But it's also to import, important to point out, and uh, I've spent far too many hours poring over commentaries this week to work out what is actually being said from the difference of Isaiah 61 to what Jesus is saying in, in Luke 4. And, and it comes out to this point. In Isaiah 61, it talks about the release of prisoners. It sets the prisoner free. And when you look at the context and you go back into the original uh, Hebrew of that, it talks about being released, that those that were in bondage, those that were what they would classify in darkness, have seen that, that sight, have, have seen the light which has freed them 
from the liberty of the bondage of their captivity in which they have been in. And so, uh, as we begin to pull that out, and as we begin to then look at it within the context of what Jesus talks about as the servant passage in in Isaiah 42, verse 7, it isn't totally without context to what Jesus is using in Isaiah 61. Does that make sense? Okay. Just wanted to clarify that before somebody came up to me at the end of the sermon and went, that isn't in the Isaiah 61 passage. I am aware I'm just highlighting that from the outset. But as, as we begin to unpack, uh, I, I want to look at it under two uh, auspices this morning. Firstly, physical blindness, and then we'll look at what secondly will be spiritual blindness. Now, physical blindness, as, as we begin to unpack what Jesus is saying, the recovering of sight to the blind, there is, there's, a, there's two senses of, of what Jesus is talking about here in Luke 4. There, there is the, the physical blindness which he comes to cure. As, as we see throughout Scripture, Jesus comes, and in many instances within the, the, the gospel teachings, Jesus heals blind people. You can't discredit that. You can't make that up. It's there in black and white. Jesus heals blind people. But it's important to probably pull back and, and to look at it under the Old Testament light for a moment. And I haven't put the verses in, but I will highlight them. The Old Testament demanded special consideration for those who were blind. And, and we find it, firstly, in Leviticus chapter 19. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn that up. Leviticus chapter 19. And it's talking about the the Lord being holy. And in verse 14, it says these words. You shall not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God, I am the Lord. In the Old Testament, there was an imposed punishment for misleading a blind person. Deuteronomy 27, verse 18. Deuteronomy 27 and verse 18. It says these words, and this was the, the, the punishment that God laid down in the law regarding it. And it says, Cursed be anyone who misleads a blind man on the road, and all the people shall say amen. And so Moses and the Levitical priests, in in the context of, of chapter 27 of Deuteronomy, is giving all the guidance to the nation of Israel for what they could and could not do And one of them was misleading a blind person. And it was considered that if you uh, did that, you you would have the curse of God placed upon you. Also, within the context of the priestly order, a blind person was considered defective and was not permitted to serve as a priest. As we go into the the New Testament, 
we, we begin to see that Jesus' healing ministry brought sight to the blind. John foretold of this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 5, as, as John the Baptist foretells of Jesus' coming, he says these words, Matthew 11, verse 5, The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. So John, as he was foretelling of what Jesus was coming to do, both in the, in the spiritual sense he was coming to do all these things, he was also highlighting the fact that Jesus was coming to do this also in a physical sense. That these would be the miracles of the Messiah. That these would be the things that would testify to say who Jesus was and what he had come to do. His ability, that being Jesus's, to restore vision was one of the proofs given, as I said to John the Baptist, that Jesus was that Messiah. That Jesus, as we see, he healed two blind men in Galilee, one blind man in Bethsaida, Mark 8, 22 to 26, a blind man from birth in Jerusalem in John 9, and a blind beggar named Bartimaeus and his friend at Jericho, uh, and that's in Mark 10, 46 to 52. And it's interesting because when we look at Jesus' earthly ministry, as he did the, the, the physical sense of healing of the blind, there are some times that Jesus had immediate healing. We see that Jesus did it and it happened. On other occasions, he used means. We know that he used such things as clay and water and massaged that into the eyes in John 9, 6 to 11. Or he spat in his hands and he rubbed it into the, the eyes of uh, the blind man in Mark eight twenty three, And that took a couple of times before full sight came back. The Apostle Paul, we know, was blinded at his conversion and received a miraculous cure in the, the presence of Ananias in Acts 9, 1 to 9. And in Middle Eastern culture, there was a, a high significance because of the state of birth. They didn't have any nice clean NHS hospitals back then that being born into that dirt and into that poverty, there, there was a risk from birth that you would have a, a blindness defect or that you, you would suffer blindness in life. And so as Jesus came to tell the, the, the nation of Israel, as he came to tell those in Nazareth that he was sent by God to recover the sight to the blind, there was this this physical aspect of what Jesus came to do. It was a physical restoration of sight that those who could not see would see. Now, it's interesting because when we go down to the verse 21 in, in Luke 4, we, we see that as Jesus sat down, he says these words, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Not in your sight, not in, in, in the presence of me actually physically being here, but in your hearing. 
And we know as, as we read the gospel accounts and as we attest to the gospel facts that as Jesus healed, those who were deaf firstly heard that Jesus was coming. They couldn't see. They had the physical element of blindness. They couldn't see. And so they heard there was an astuteness to hearing what God was saying. And although Jesus, as he was standing before the, the people at Nazareth, they could see him in the physical form. They could see him. But they were blinded to the reality of who he actually was and what he actually came to do. And so that leads on secondly this morning to what, what is probably more alluded to in, in Luke's gospel as Jesus begins to proclaim this. <coughs> and it's a sense of spiritual blindness. Now, now what, what do I, I, I mean by the term spiritual blindness? Well, it's a figurative way of defining the lost and hopeless condition of a sinful humanity. And that's what Jesus was speaking to as he proclaimed this message to the, the, the townspeople in Nazareth, to those that he knew, to those that he grew up with, to those that knew him as a knee-high grasshopper with probably snot running down his nose and crying and, and all those things. Jesus came to tell them about their spiritual blindness. Jesus, in, in Matthew's Gospel, in uh, chapter 15, verse 14, would allude to the, the, the spiritual depravity of the religious leaders that would be in Israel at that day. He says, so ignore them. They are blind guides leading the blind, and if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. And so Jesus was talking about the, the, the spiritual depravity of the religious leaders of that day that were leading people more away from God than to God. And such was this spiritual blindness that it was a willful rejection of, of God's revelation in his creation and scripture and an inability to see the gospel truth. And, and we see that within this, this context of Luke chapter 4, as, as, as Jesus proclaims what he's coming to, as he comes and tells them that this is why God has sent me. God has sent me to uh, proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim the liberty to the captives. He sent me to remove this spiritual blindness that everybody seems to currently have and to set at liberty those who are oppressed and proclaim the Lord's favor. Jesus tells them that today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And then he goes on and he alludes to the spiritual blindness in uh, verses 23 down to 27, talking about the spiritual blindness of Israel in that day and all that had happened throughout Israel's time. He was alluding to the spiritual blindness and walking away from God time and time and time again. And when they heard these things, when, when that became a reality to them, they wanted to rise up and kill him. Isaiah, in his talking about it, calls it demise. Isaiah 6.10. And uh, as I said, Jesus charged the Pharisees with unbelief, um, calling them blind guides of the blind. Uh, 
and spiritual blindness is related to a hardness of the heart. In Mark 8, 17 and 18, and Ephesians 4, 17 and 18, we, we, we see that it's alluded to as a hardness of the heart, that we reject what God has been saying to us. We reject the truth and the reality of the gospel of what Jesus has said. And so it is understood as a judgment of God both upon believers and unbelievers, or both, I'm sorry, upon unbelievers and upon Israel. And we see that in Romans 1, 20 to 21, upon non-believers, and then in Israel, Isaiah 29, 10, and we read it again in Romans 11, 7 to 8. The Apostle Paul alludes to it that it's also the work of Satan. That he comes as one disguised in light, but he comes as one who would pull, as the term is, the wool over your eyes. He is the one that would come to discredit the truth of the gospel. He is the one who would come to cause blindness that we wouldn't see the reality of the hope which Jesus Christ offers each one of us this morning. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, he he puts it this way. He has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. In 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4, it says, If the good news we preach is hidden behind the veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. And so... Jesus in coming in his declaration to tell of this truth that he has come to recover the sight of the blind, to to open the eyes of those that do not see the hope and the truth. He tells in in John 4, uh, sorry, John 12, 48, these, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. And so there's this, Reality that, you know, he's, he's, Jesus again alludes to it in Mark 8, 18. Having eyes, you do, you do not see. Do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? So God, throughout the nation of Israel's promise and testimony, has been saying that he would come to open their eyes to the truth and the reality of who he is and what he had come to do. And so Jesus, in in standing before the people of Israel and standing before each one of us this morning, comes to relieve that spiritual blindness. Now, what does that look like for me? I tell people I'm a very misfortunate uh, 33-year-old. I have very focals, and I also have hearing aids. If I take my glasses off this morning, you're nothing but a blur. I can make outlines of heads and that, but you're all a blur. I can't see absolutely, you know, apart from what's in front of my nose. And it's kind of 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 that reality of, of what Jesus is saying to us this morning, that if we are to see clearly, then, then we have to put on 
the truth of the gospel. We have to put on the, the eyes of Jesus, so to speak, that we would see within our own hearts, that we would see within our own minds, that we wouldn't like, be fucked, that we would see with clarity that hope that he offers, that reality which he brings, that truth which he says, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, that bold authority, that bold proclamation that he has anointed me, he wants to use me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's grace. And so what does that mean for us this morning? Well, as God's agents here on earth, we, we have a, a reality to help people put on the glasses that they see Jesus with. And I wonder how your glasses are doing this morning are they clean are they maybe a bit grubby fingerprints on them a bit dirty maybe the cats chewed them the dog stood on them the children have stretched them I, I don't know what your glasses look like this morning but I would encourage you to, to get out the Holy Spirit uh, and to, to spray on those lenses and, and to clean away the dirt and the mire that have hidden Jesus, that we would see him more clearly through his word. That in doing so, as, w as we see Jesus more clearly, then people will also see more clearly Jesus through us. That when they look at our lives, when they look at the lives of we who believe and confess that Jesus is Lord, that the blindness lifts from their eyes, that the hope and the reality of the gospel becomes the eyes and the lenses which they see Jesus through. And what does that look like? Well, we, we celebrate it this morning. His body given for us, his blood shed for us. This table helps us see more clearly what Jesus did for us. You see, God's special gift of his grace is through new birth. John 3, 3. But he tells us that if we see Jesus through that new birth, if we put on those lenses of Jesus, then we see in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the glorious light of the good news. John Piper says the problem is that we're blind. The so solution is that supernaturally God has given us the sight of glory. And it is my prayer and my encouragement to each one of us that as we look to Vision 2020, as we look for that clarity and that, that perception and that astuteness of who Jesus is and what he came to do, that we would have the sight of the glory which he came to fulfill. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are a God who comes to heal both physical blindness and spiritual blindness. If it is your good and pleasing and perfect will, 
And Father, there are many within our towns, within our communities, within our family, our, our family, uh, friend circle, our work colleagues, Father, who are walking around spiritually blind. Spiritually blind to the reality of the truth and the hope that the gospel of Jesus Christ has. Spiritually blind to the truth and the reality of the new life which they can receive. Spiritually blind to the freedom and liberty that they can experience in trusting in the one who gives us sight, who gives us clarity. And so, Father, we pray that if we have been spiritually blinded, if we have allowed our lenses of Jesus to become mucky, Father, that you would clear them again. Father, that we would see Jesus with crisp, clear, precise vision. That he is the one who was and is and is to come. That he is the life giver, that he is the life changer, that he is the life sustainer. And Father, that in doing so, that our lives would demonstrate more of who he is and why we love him. And so, Father, as we gather at your table, will you help us remember the cost? Will you help us remember the price paid for your glory and for your honor? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.